Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 433. Um, I've got a great roundtable panel. We've got some great stories. I, I think it's going to be an interesting debate. Um, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. I've got my friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? John Locke, a.k.a. Lockdown, helping <laughs> manufacturers with SEO all the time. I'm locked down. And I've got another friend, Kim Shivler. Kim, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. I'm Kim Schivler. I'm a communications consultant and former WordPress instructor, though I don't do that as much anymore. Mainly focused more on team building and helping engineers get their message out to non-technical audiences. And I've got another friend. I've got Matt Medeiros in the house. Matt, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, Matt Medeiros, MattReport.com. And you can find me during the day at Pagely.com. I've got another friend, Sally Gosh. She knows me so well, she can read me like a book. Sally, uh, Rob, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Sally Getch, and my business is WP Fangirl, and I am the not very organized organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California, Um, and uh, the frequently distracted cat mom. Yes. And before we go into our stories, I want to talk about one of my sponsors, one of my great sponsors. That's Breezly, Breezly.co. And Breezly is one of the one of the most innovative page builders I've come across. Um, it's got some fantastic technology which you won't find with other page builders. I've been trying it out, I've been impressed. So go over to Breezly.co. Um, have a look at it, download it, have a play with it, and also tell them that you heard about Breezley on WP Tonic. Right, let's go into the... Uh, it kind of exploded, this, uh, Rob. It wasn't on my radar. There was a, um interview of Matt Merrill by David Hansen. David is the founder, one of the founders of Basecamp and also Ruby on Rails, and he kind of runs Ruby or Rails. Um, and then there was an interview with our beloved host, um, panelist Matt, um, on post status. So, Matt, what did you think of this interview um, done by David Hansen? What you know? What did you think? I thought it was really very interesting. Yeah, it was actually some funny timing, uh, given one of the tweets that spawned my interview with Brian on the post status uh, with, you know, just the general sentiment of people just not being happy within the WordPress community and just not feeling like they're really a part of uh, the software anymore. And it's troubling to me because, you know, I see great developers just saying, you know, fed up with WordPress and development and just saying, you know, just bad things about the software, moving away from it because of things like Gutenberg. And, you know, and to me, that's a lot just on the surface stuff. So a lot of people just saying, hey, I'm going to try my hand at something else, which is totally fine. Like, that's the awesome part of open source and the open web. But I just don't want to see good talent, good people leave this software because I do love the software and we are a behemoth in the market. And there's a lot of potential still. Uh, with WordPress. It it powers not only websites, but people's lives, livelihoods, careers. Uh, it's a freedom of voice uh, and, and all of this stuff. So I put, I tweeted something out like, I, you know, I just don't want to see this just erode into nothingness. I don't want to see people leave because they're unhappy with management, if you will. Um, and then coincidentally, this all sort of happened around the same time Salesforce invested uh, in the series fifth series or series D, whatever it is, uh, $300 million to bring automatic up to a $3 billion valuation where DHH is a much smarter individual than I am, you know, sort of just flipped the table and said the same thing that we're all thinking like, no, you know, uh, to pull a a quote out of Matt's interview of wanting 80 or 85% of, of the web running WordPress saying that that is not the sign of, 
of an open web. That's the, the sign of a monopoly. <laughs> you know, this is not this is not the, the freedoms that we all uh, adore, and um, that sparked a good conversation uh, with Matt and David. Um, you know, it was I shared some of my thoughts, which are quoted in the tavern. It's it's something that I don't think that if a community member like myself or anyone on this panel said, hey, Matt, I want to spend an hour talking to you about this. I don't think that would have happened uh, as easily as it is uh, from coming from David, uh, given his clout, his success in this space and, and what have you, and knowing Matt for years. Um, I thought it was, it was great to, to, to see David directly push these questions back to, to Matt. We didn't get a lot of concrete answers on a lot of the, the pushback. Um, you know, Matt is a very well-spoken politician when it comes to these, uh, <laughs> these like, types of... That's like he's so it's it's such a pity Spencer isn't here because he yeah. always brings that up. He's yeah. Like he and he's able to twist things, which, you know, again, I, I don't think that Matt, I don't think that Matt is evil as much as he is, might, might just be a little delusional <laughs> with some of these. No, goals, um, but- actually, can I interrupt, Matt? Yeah. Actually, I think you've been a tiny, I see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but I think you've been a little bit unfair. What I got from that interview, the main point was that Matt's response to David's very logical arguments um and i i agree more with david than matt but matt's overall reply was this is an open source project and it was it, totally missing david's point right well you totally. you, can, you can argue that but his main intellectual argument against david's points was that this is an open source project. And because of that, a number of your points fundamentally don't apply to this situation because I might be a, 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 a kind of semi-detator, but if people get fed up with the situation, they can fault the software and they can go on their own journey. And that is a fundamental difference. I agree with David that that fundamental argument is iffy at best. Back over to you, Matt. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. I agree with that statement. I I do believe that the driving force behind Matt isn't a pure, pure, hundred percent like commercially driven aspiration. I do think that he that he see views the world of software most of it as commercially driven as evil. And I'm going to use this thing called WordPress to sort of even the landscape, if you will. But at the detriment (laughs) of, you know, thousands of people who have committed time to this, who just don't have a say in that direction. I'm not smart enough to know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. I know in just a small sampling of, Building a website with, let's say, a nonprofit designed by committee is the worst thing ever because you have a hundred people telling you to do this all in million directions and you just need one person to lead this charge. So amplify that by a thousand. Here we are with WordPress. I think we need somebody to be the leader of direction who is held responsible for the direction. And Matt really needs to just step away, maybe still paint vision of WordPress, but there has to be somebody who's more uh, unbiased to automatic, you know, in the community and somebody who can drive the software in a, in a direction that gets a real collaborative voice together and not just, you know, you know, we talk about trust and here's a guy who sits in between automatic wordpress.org and the WordPress foundation, which protects the brands of both and it's, or, or WordPress. And it's just like, well, just a little weird. It's just a little weird. Well, it's, had, there, there was a lot coming up about, uh, you know, um, you know, governments and dictators and, and uh, moving, moving uh, countries. And, you know, there, there's at least two of us on this podcast who either currently live or have lived outside of the, the nation they were born in um and uh but the thing is like if somebody is a uh, president um they can be voted out 
uh, uh, you know, this is where we are uh, in a situation in, in the States where there is a lot of people, you know, unhappy with the current president. Um, but it's, you know, survivable because, it, you know, unless all the, the laws get changed, you know, we have a maximum of eight years. Um, and uh, there isn't a system of, of governance for WordPress where that's an, an option. I mean, I don't actually have any objections to the direction that pain in my butt because my javascript knowledge could be painlessly inscribed on my thumbnail um and uh, but uh, that you know that there should be some kind of accountability and you know ideally more openness because it is supposed to be in an, an open platform but but it's Kind of like, yeah. so we have to move countries and instead of like being able to bring something to the leadership. That one yeah. really stuck with me, Sally, that whole analogy. Because mm-hmm. while, I mean, you guys have moved countries, I haven't. I've just traveled a lot and that itself was a pain in the ass when I was worldwide. But I think it dismisses the fact that maybe it's easier than moving companies, countries. But if you're well entrenched in a software and you're a little bit larger company, it's not all that painless. Well, and it's, not, it's not just about you being entrenched. It's about everyone else being entrenched. And, and yeah. you know, kind of back to the, the browser discussion that, you know, there when one company is that dominant, there's just like, there's nobody will participate in anything else because they don't see a point in it. And um, <clears throat> that like government itself, in a way, is open source in that we all understand the basics about how different types of governments run. That doesn't mean we are all in a position to like start our own government. Um, the the power uh, is uh, is real and it does affect things. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask John this, John, and then throw it back over to Matt. John, I just think a lot of things have all kind of been jumbled up into a feeling um, a group feeling. I, I think Matt is right about, to some extent, about the group feeling not going the right way. Um, I think it's linked with moving, you know, saying to people, you're going to have to learn React. You, you know, Gutenberg's going to be, you know, you're going to have to learn a total new language, you know, and you're, you've really got you're a really hardcore PHP programmer and how that was decided. And, that, and then the actual Gutenberg project, how it was managed, which I, I think was a dog's breath, basically. It was managed like a dog's breath. And then this whole eruption about, you know, that he wants 86% of the web and automatics relationship with WordPress. And this is all kind of, all these things have all been kind of jumbled up. Do you think I'm on the right path there? What's your own reflection on it, John? Yeah, I mean, and this is just a sense of one person with the sense, I'm just one guy, but I'm like like Matt. You know, I I see what a lot of people are saying um, in the community. And I, I think... What's going on? Like when this project first started, it was a fork of B2. And it had a different vibe. But as they've taken VC money, their path is not open to be, you know, just anything that they want it to be. When you take VC money like that, you you have to get a return. And, you know, the confusion and even Matt uh, Mullenweg mentions it in this is uh, the podcast. He says, oh, no, no, no. WordPress didn't take VC money. Automatic took VC money. Yeah, it's they like, keep, he keeps saying that. And it's yeah, so... It's intentional confusion. The yeah. fact of the matter is... is I just think that's Matt, gaslighting it. Well, it's best, I'll, I'll tell you it? something. The fact of the matter is the WordPress project is going to go the way of, of whatever... Uh, Matt Mullenweg wants it to be because Automatic has taken VC money and those investors have to get their money back. That is why the WordPress project is becoming a Squarespace clone. But that is the, the lack of governance, the lack of transparency is a thing that a lot of people have felt 
even if if they didn't know why they were they were feeling it but but it's coming more out in the open of that you know this is what it is um you know the whole thing of like 85% of the web i don't even think that they're going to get to 50% to be quite honest and i think something that that Matt Medeiros here will agree with too most of the uh, percentage of this 34% is from people like me and you and Matt and Sally and Kim that have, you know, sold digital um, um, sites to people and told them to go on WordPress. I think that's most of the 34%. And I think .com is, is not uh, earning as much as, as you think because there's no real stats on how much of that 34% is .com and how much is self-hosted. But one thing is very clear that, you know, they're trying to to push the Gutenberg project in a direction to where uh, it basically is like a drag and drop like Squarespace or Wix or whatever. That's what they're trying to compete with. And there's there's two ways that they can make money off that. They can make it off the bottom with the people who pay, you know, 10 or $15 a month, or they can do it for VIP. But it, you know, it, it seems like at this point that, that they're they're going for the masses. I mean, this acquisition of Tumblr too, that's to pump up that number later on to where that they can look like they're growing when they say like, you know, when w- Tumblr becomes um, uh, um, pushed by WordPress headless, then they're going to say like, okay, like now WordPress is 40% of the web. That's, yeah, that's they, that you realize the investors don't don't give a you know a no, they rats behind about the percent. They want they yeah. want to, they want the financial return. And and this was a really good point that was yeah. raised that you know Shopify has a a pretty small percent of the market, yeah. but a ton of money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, their valuation is like ten times as much. <laughs> yeah, I want to put this to Matt. Matt. Is this really the problem? Is that you know obviously you've got to keep some things secret if you're in a in a commercial organization now there's some things that page leos wouldn't want to discuss but you know as as the as the unelected head of wordpress doesn't he matt doesn't he have to provide some better landscape where all this is going because i think this is half the problem nobody really knows apart from maybe him and a couple of other people he's very close to where where this journey is supposed to be heading, this train, where's this train going? And because nobody knows, the vacuum is filled with a lot of speculation. Some of it can be right, some of it can't. And, every, you know, and that causes its own problems, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I'd like to just like quickly remark on. I think that, you know, the, one of the reasons why I say I don't want people to give up is because if there will be a philosophical or social change at WordPress, we can't have people leave. We can't have people leave who care about the software because inevitably is what we've all been saying is eventually it is just owned by automatic. All the, you know, a majority of contributors to the, to the project is just automatic. So it just becomes like, hey, oh, by the way, Automatic open source is this little piece of software over here, just like Salesforce and all these other giants do. And there's less of us to like really direct it. Um, we talked quickly about how change isn't easy for organizations. Change isn't easy for individual like freelancers either. And I was really moved by Paul Euler's discussion on the WP Hallway Chats podcast, where he's, you know, typical freelancer you know, we're building sites, we're trying to find business. And man, like I'm spending time learning this software and I finally got my feet on the ground. I've got Beaver Builder. I can go out and make clients. And now all of a sudden it's like this Gutenberg thing hits me. And I look at like this, you know, I look at the blue collar digital workers that are out there and I'm trying to say, yeah, like this is, this is a bad thing for, you know, the people who are trying to get their minds wrapped around the software to make a living. And I don't want to see that dissolve. Third point is I think that we always hear things from Matt five years ahead of where his brain is. Look, again, I know <laughs> I think he's very smart. I think he's got some great ambitions. But when we heard him, and I bring the story up all the time, when we talk about Jetpack six years ago, 
his thing about Jetpack being the, the, the driving force of adoption was him understanding where Jetpack was going to be in six, seven years. He knew it was going to be the glue to take all of these new features that he's planning to, to, to launch and make it easier for the end user, right? And I would argue that it's still not even there yet. I think he's still two years out from that vision. When he talks about Gutenberg, or when he talks about WordPress being 85% or 80, 85% of the internet, I don't think he's talking about WordPress in the traditional content management system that we all use today. I think he's thinking that eventually Gutenberg or the block system will be so modular and, uh, uh, I guess block driven for lack of a better phrase that you could have tiny ubiquitous. bits of WordPress. I think the yeah, you ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Yeah. You could have tiny bits of Gutenberg in, I don't know, Facebook or a big platform. When he was talking to DHH on that podcast, DHH said, Well, we built our own WYSIWYG and he sort of, you know, threw in there, well, you could have used Gutenberg or whatever he, you know, whatever the paraphrase was. I think that when he's thinking 80%, he's not thinking every site is WordPress. I think in his mind, the operating system of the web is Gutenberg and these tiny blocks that you could pull into any software project. That's what I think. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt to project a world that I wouldn't mind supporting. Much like you'd say, well, I'm going to use PHP. I'm going to use Gutenberg blocks. I don't know. I'm thinking that's kind of cool for me. I like that. Uh, especially if I have a say in where this project is going. Um, I, you know, again, just to like to wrap up that DHH conversation, I, I don't think we got any clear cut answers. Um, I do know on the Tavern article where I was quoted, he, Matt, invited himself back onto my podcast to talk about it, <laughs> which is funny. Um, and I'd be happy to have that, you know, conversation with him because, you know, I have a bunch of questions just like everybody else. Um, you know. But would you get any answers? I can ask the questions. Um, you know, when we talk about... Because I've got to be honest with you, he, um, he, he never answers my... He's never has. I'm, I'm, I've always felt a bit of outside of the WordPress community in some ways, Matt, um, because I'm a little bit outspoken. But I would... I would you know, I'm used to the kind of BB, the English way of interviewing politicians, and it's a lot rougher than the interviewing style of American media. So, if he didn't answer, he'd just be he'd just be kept answer. I just asked the same question again and again and again until he either walked off or he would answer it. I wouldn't put up with his. Um, gaslighting, basically. Mm. Uh, it would be rough and tumble because he's a big boy and he can look after himself, you know. Right, right. I, I you know, I obviously don't know if, if I could get answers and if we got answers, it's probably not the answer. We have ways of means of getting <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I brought this up on Brian's podcast and I don't think it makes too much of an impact, but at least it might show some solidarity around governance is if everybody who contributed to the project just took a day and didn't contribute to the project and just took a day and said, this is for recognition of governance, a day of strike, a day of recognition, whatever you want to call it, but a way to symbolize that people are interested in pushing this forward. Because if, if, the, if people contributing to WordPress don't care, man, this is going to be, a, this is going to be an uphill yeah, battle. Right. And Morton and Rachel, super smart individuals. I couldn't carry that torch of governance. But what I do know is that, you know, if we can show that people care and if people aren't happy with where it's going, you know, let's say 20 people just start wanting to all of a sudden say, I want to start contributing code to WordPress, not just like forum support, but just code to, to shift the direction of where this features are going with WordPress. They would have to say, at least in my mind, I believe in governance. I believe in this, I don't know, constitution, if you will, that says these are the beliefs I have before I start contributing code to WordPress. And if things start to happen where development is going in a certain direction, meetings behind closed doors, features getting pushed in from God knows where, those contributors should say, this is not part of the beliefs I've signed up for. Um, and either flag these things or just, I, you know, 
shift the direction of of focus on highlighting, you know, these are not part of uh, governance beliefs. And I, I, you know, until people actually believe in this stuff, just throwing in governance, I think, is going to be difficult. Mm. People contributing have to care about that stuff first because we should want WordPress to survive. That's the thing. We need WordPress to survive in this crazy world of commercially owned software. And we do need to ask questions, John, uh, that, or Jonathan, that you, you shouldn't feel like, well, my voice isn't being heard. I'm just this small thread in this huge piece of fabric. No, we need this stuff. Like this is the stuff that needs to be said to, to, to keep people um, questioning, uh, you know, the leader, leaders, you know, of the software. Benevolent leader. Yeah, um, I think you've, uh, we're going to go for a break. I, I just think this is really a, a witch's brew of different, upsets, things that have been building up. It is a real witch's brew. We'll be back in a moment, folks. We've got some other great stories. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a good discussion of the Witches Brew, as I call it. Um, before going to my other stories, I've got another great sponsor, and that's Lifter LMS. What is Lifter? Lifter is one of the best learning management systems on the market. Um, we use it on WP Tonic with our clients. We specialize in building learning management systems. And Lifter LMS is one of our key tools in our quiver. So if that sounds interesting, you're looking to build a great course membership site and you're looking for a great um, framework to build it on, go to Lifter LMS and see what they've got to offer. On to the next story. Uh, oh, God. All hands on deck. Yeah, say that again. Uh, um, Sally, what did you think of this one? Uh, I think that I really don't want to have to look at Mark Zuckerberg's face that much on, <laughs> well, in the course of reading any article. Um <laughs> And I think that, you know, what comes out of this is is about what you would expect from, you know, everything else we've, we've read about uh, Facebook. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm not uh, I'm not especially shocked uh, by what it says. Um, and it is that, you know, it does seem like, well. You know, uh, this this is a definite uh, you know drive for for world domination. And uh, <clears throat> been watching too many James Bond films, hasn't he? I don't know. I haven't seen a James Bond film for a long time. Yeah, uh, but uh, <clears throat> uh, we don't have, and we don't have Doctor Evil with us here. Nah. No. Oh, well. Um, uh, Matt, what did you think? Uh, I, I, I think we're heading for a bit of a collision coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is people railing against the machine, I guess. Like, they, they don't... And this is just an indicator to me that for years, Facebook has had these sort of all-hands all meetings or whatever, and you didn't really see any leaks. But now I think, I think we're all fed up with it. We're all fed up with like where this is all going. And, and when you get to a size of, of Facebook, this is what happens. Uh, automatic, not too far off. Once you get over a thousand people, man, this is a different culture. There will be people who are just generally in the mix. Do you think there's you might kind get of, elite. Do you think there's a kind of general trend here in all these companies that they, um, this has been said, it's not original for me. I, I, I guarantee no originality, Matt. But uh, um, um, fundamentally, that they have this kind of startup mentality, even though they are billion, billions and billion dollar company. They still have this kind of startup 
view of the world, especially the founders, and they can't get over it, really. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts, you know, around this, and it it can start from, you know, the smallest startup, and as soon as you start to accelerate growth, and you start to uh, just feel the rush of success, it is very hard to to stop that, you know, to stop that train, and and we see this with. The tiniest SaaS piece of software suddenly go from $9 a month to $59 a month because, well, we're growing and we're adding more features and we're doing this. I mean, when you start talking, talking about billions of dollars, then it's a, and then it's even gets even worse. It gets even more complicated. Um, you know, and, and I, I also think that some of the I'm sorry to interrupt, but in PR terms, this wasn't a great move, was it? Well, no, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm talking more about the business side of it, but the, like the PR stuff and like the stuff that he cited here. No, it does not look good at all. No. So, Kim, you, you've you worked for some big companies in your career. Got your voice for our kin of Facebook, you know? <laughs> I see it as a bit of a combination. It, it's the... I don't have any advice for him. I'm actually not. I'm minimally on Facebook as much as my my uh, marketing guy puts me there. That's it. But um, I see it both from what you were talking about, Jonathan, where it's startup the leaders, but it's also a lot of times with, and I think this went back, Matt, to what you were saying, when you have a company like Automatic, when you get past that big employee level, a lot of times it's the employees themselves. You you get up above a thousand and they're like, well, why, wait, why can't we all be like we were four years ago? Oh, you're they're not me, ready you, you, for the culture shift. And there's going to be a culture shift when you get that big. It's just going to happen. You're giving me the opportunity to mention Otto, which if Spencer was here, I would have to do anyway, wouldn't I? You would. You wouldn't have to because Spencer would do it for you. Oh, yes. Good We've point, got, a, got a tradition now, Matt, that every time the show runs, we've got to mention Otto. Uh, we're starting to get to like the WP tonic drinking game. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, John, have you got something to say? Yeah, I do. So something that I saw somebody mention the other day really made a lot of sense. Trump is old. He's not going to be here for too much longer. Putin will be dead in about 20 years. But Mark Zuckerberg is young. He's like barely in his early 30s, and he is not elected. He's the head of this uh, corporation and he can't be removed, kind of like, you know, <laughs> like the, the other guy we were talking about. But he has a lot more influence. Facebook just uh, said, you know, just this week that, uh, you know, politicians can go ahead and, you know, lie on their um, platform because it's newsworthy. I mean, um, I, I put a link down in there, the, the article about how um, the genocide, the ethnic cleansing of Muslim, the Muslim minority in Myanmar, uh, formerly Burma. Uh, it, w- it was basically facilitated by Facebook and propaganda. Now, the very first like word camp that I ever went to was 2014, San Francisco. Paul Clark talked about the work that they did in Myanmar about you know setting up a site to record. Yeah, you're right. Because I was human the- rights abuses in Myanmar. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's come back there because that was the first one I yes. went to. Yeah, that was that was that you're so right there. That's so this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, of course, he doesn't want to be broken up, he doesn't want any politician or president in there that's or anybody in Congress for that matter that's going to break up big tech. But I, I think, in a way, these things need to be regulated because they are ripping apart society, not just here, all over with the propaganda and, and, and lies, you know, and... Well, you know? in a way they are, because their cop-out of this is saying we, we only provide a platform. We're not actually doing the lying. Well, we only offer the tools, don't we? Well, you know what? We're, all the people who work there, the developers, the designers, the, you know, whoever works there, you're responsible for what you put out into the world. If, I mean, if you're like, oh, it's, you know, cool things we're working on. You, I mean, I hope you're proud because these, this is what's happening. You know, um, I think there do need to be some checks and balances. 
as is as far as these platforms because they just don't care. They don't care if the world burns down as long as they get paid. I mean, is that in my, is that really linked to our um, previous conversation in part one? Is that we don't want WordPress to end up some? It won't be exactly the same, but something like bloody Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see that happen. Um, you know, but I think Matt Mullenweg thinks that, you know, he, he, he could be a better, he could be as big, but a safer haven than a Facebook. Like, that's the way I think he is going at this. Like, no, I'm not doing evil things, but I'm doing evil things to get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, you know. it's kind of like Jack. Dorsey. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things I, I want to, you know, it, okay, so Zuckerberg isn't around, is, is the youngest out of all of like the evils of the world, let's say. Um, but you never know. Like you never know what could happen where he w- is not around. And that's the same thing with Matt. Like what happens with all of this big investment if Matt isn't around in five years? Who's taken over? Who's the influence then? Right? So this isn't just a situation where it's like, come on, Matt, give us some more power, get out of the way, or Zuckerberg, whatever. It's putting in the checks and balances so that if the, the, the leader isn't there, we know what we're going to fall back to. Do you, because you, you know him a bit better than I do, you know, do you think he's got the capacity to really reflect on things and maybe change the ship's direction? He has the capacity, but he won't want to do it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, uh, um, but yeah, all right. What, what do you reckon? Um, so, oh, yeah, let's go on to the next one. Let's go on to the next story because I wish I wish the head of Facebook, the evil genius, the best of luck. <laughs> I think he's got a rocky remember journey. Fa- hey, and keep in mind, remember that Facebook started as hot or not for Harvard. Yes, which does kind of tell you a lot about Mr. Zuckerberg. I think, you know, matured somewhat since then, but not. Do you think he goes to the same party? a better person. Do you think he goes to the same parties as Yoast? <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist. No, I think he goes to more expensive parties than Yoast. Yeah, right, right. There we go. I'm such a shit stirrer. I just can't help it. Sorry about it. Uh, um, uh, um, there we go. Uh, um, on to the next one. Brian Gardner steps down from Studio Press. I've got to say, as um, I'm going to have to try and get Brian on the show. I've tried a couple of times. I don't think he gives a lot. Well, of, he's going to have all this time on his hands now. He's certainly going to have a bit more time, but he, he keeps. he's somebody I really admired. Um, I've interviewed Alan Clark a couple of times. Uh, um um, what do you, what do you reckon, uh, Matt, about the piece about Brian Gardner? Because um, to say he kind of started things and um, was original thinker, move and shake, would be a bit of an understatement, wouldn't it? Yeah, I respect uh, the stuff that Brian has done over the years. I've known him for a while. Um, I was a, one of the early guest posters on like his first blog of thousands that he's launched <laughs> over the years. Um, and I remember uh, being able to sell, I used to sell a, uh, a Drupal theme and I remember finding his e-junkie account, uh, which he used to sell themes uh, on. And that's, and I asked him how to get it all set up. So he really helped me get into the digital space many, many years ago. Um, you know, happy for his success, happy for everything that he's doing. But I saw it coming, I think, like everybody else, right? Uh, I think it's natural. Everybody for- else except those of us who work with Genesis every day. And it was funny <laughs> when this got posted to the, the forum. It's sort of like, like, yeah, intellectually, you know that after there's been an acquisition, the original pers- leadership tends to, to step out. And yet it still seemed like, wait, what? Um, and, uh, you know, I've been very happy with the direction that, WP Engine has taken, uh, you know, Genesis uh, in the time since that acquisition. That the the development pace of development has stepped up, and the the modernization of of the framework has has stepped up. And um, uh, but it, it, you know, so I'm not like 
afraid of of that, uh, but um, it still seems, uh, you know, it, it seems surprising because in in so many ways the. Studio Press has been synonymous with with Brian Gardner, although he's hardly the only person who was involved in it, and a lot of the other people are still still there. Yeah, yeah, because Studio Press knew how to play the politics, the internal politics of WordPress to fine art, didn't they? In some ways, what do you reckon, um, John? They they seem to be able to because they were kind of building their own frame, their own system inside a system but they were the rainmaker elect- they sold that yeah they right yeah but also studio press to some degree as well but they seem to be able to play the the game well didn't they john well i think studio press they um they were good for the community they um were good at building a community within wordpress I mean, I think that that's the one thing that they super excelled at. The Genesis community still is is very uh, strong. So, I mean, that's a lasting legacy. Um, I think that anytime there's an acquisition, you kind of start the timer of when the the founders that got uh, Aqua hired are, are going to leave. Because that's most of the time, that's what happens. You know, so most of the time, it's about a year after the acquisition kicks off and uh you know i've seen a lot of that this year so um yeah so no surprise he's not he'll be back yeah let's hope so kim what do you think i didn't use a lot of studio press so but i just figure it kind of going along with what you said john it's pretty common after an acquisition you know, that someone exits and normally you're in that one to two year frame because quite frankly, that's usually part of the uh, contract is that you stay for X amount and help that transition and then you're ready to go on to something else. No big deal. So Matt, I don't think with your own agency, you ever really got that heavily involved in the world of Genesis, did you? Actually, in the early days, that's what we were, yeah, in the early days we, we were using it, yeah. And I think you moved away from it. Was there some reason why you did that? Well, we were trying to build our own themes. <laughs> we were trying to uh, build and sell our own themes uh, at the time. Yeah, but you could have decided to try and sell your own themes as in the Genesis area, couldn't yeah. you? Um, and uh, that's a great question. And that was something that we actually considered. Uh, and um, when we initially... So we, di- we didn't because our developers didn't really want to go down that path. Um, and at the time, and then even when uh, we launched the early versions of Conductor, we had a connector that pulled in uh, the styles from a lot of the popular studio press themes. So we we tried working it uh, at that angle as well. All right, fair enough. Right, Tio, we've got. Time. Are we doing time? Yeah, we've got time f- um, for one more. Maybe um, here we go. Um, oh God, inside. Uber plan to take over City Life with CEO Delka. I can't pronounce it. Um, um, Sally, can you help me with the, with the surname? Uh, Dara uh, Kashrafshani? Shahi? Right. Something like that, yes. it's. I, I'm not actually sure what... It just uh, rolls over your tongue, doesn't it? Uh, 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 well, I'm good at polysyllables, but it, yes, I'm not even entirely sure what ethnicity, what language that's could be Persian, couldn't it? <coughs> yeah. All right. So, Sally, what did you think of Uber's um, plans for urban domination? Uh, well, you know, I've never used Uber. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 I, so, haven't, I haven't either. I do it on principle. I'm not using their service. Well, I've, honestly, I've never used Lyft either. I mean, I've only had a smartphone since March. Um, uh, and uh, 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 it's... Uh, uh, I you think know, they're the shittiest of very of the well, shit. Well, I mean, I think I, I, I think as a company, they're a little bit better since they kicked out what's his lips, uh, Kalanick. Oh yeah, um, Mr. But, Milk, what a um, piece of shit he was. Oh, God. Uh, yes, it's it's not as though there are no issues, uh, and you know, urban domination. Okay, yeah, I I have trouble envisioning like Uber as as the operating system of being in the city. Um, it makes me laugh. Frank, and frankly, in a city like New York, the last thing you want to be in is a car. 
true. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, they're just hanging on to their license in London, actually. They, they've been in the high court so many times that they've become a favourite of the judges, actually. Um, and they're just hanging on to their license by promising the earth, which they won't be able to keep. So they're probably going to, in the near future, lose their license in London. So um, what do you reckon, Matt? Um, again, this is a lot of threads from the stuff that we talked about. Uh, it is, isn't it? It's funny. I didn't yeah. plan it this way, actually, but honestly, <laughs> it's just kind of... You know, I, I, again, I, I hope that the industry, I hope that consumers start to, I mean, God, how pretty much every piece of data that we've ever given a corporation has been stolen at this point, right? So... I really hope that there's a, a shift for consumers to understand where their data is going and who they're doing business with. And and Uber is actually one that kind of hits home because I live in a small city and uh, the and by small city, it's like barely making the city mark. So it's about 100,000 people. Um, the definition of city is all about how you incorporate. It's not the size. Oh, okay. So the uh, the... The accelerator that I mentor in, uh, a, a startup there, started a delivery service like a like Uber Eats and like uh, Dash Lane, I think. So they're yeah. So their their big push was to do business with you know a small locally owned tech ish company, and don't go to Uber Eats and don't go to all of these other bigger giants because. We're doing it here. We're doing it local. And um, they've seen some pretty darn good success. I mean, they're like tripling business year after year. And that's a good sign. And I hope that there's more of that happening with all of these, you know, disrupt, you know, disrupt the economy. Um, yeah, uh, but they give it... But the thing is, you know, I'm a bit like, you know, I come from a background. I had a, I had a successful business that wasn't in the digital world I have a very similar, to some ways, background to yourself, Matt. I think these people give car capital. salesman. <laughs> it, was, it was retail. Uh, um, even worse. No, sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, um, English flippancy there. Uh, um, they're giving capitalism a bad name. This crowd, aren't they? Yeah, there was a. I didn't. I didn't catch the article. Maybe you guys actually talked about it last time. But uh, the the top, uh, the Uber, the Airbnb. Uh, the top four tech-ish companies that you know have lost over a billion dollars over the last year. WeWork uh, have lost over like oh, a billion yeah, we dollars discussed, over the, like the course we of a year. We discussed him last week, yes, actually. Yes. Ha- yeah, ha- having an IPO when you're when you're losing money. Yes, the, the yeah, very. And I, I was reading a, a tweet this morning about Blue Apron and how they have just vaporized in terms of value and their cost of acquisition. Was four hundred and sixty four dollars cost of customer acquisition was four hundred and sixty four dollars a person or a customer. It's just like wow, like how are these businesses surviving? Yes, and like who the f is doing your accounting that you're not <laughs> right. noticing? Right, but I mean, it's just like big money just floods in, right? And you know, uh, uh, again, not to take it back to Matt and automatic, but can you imagine the amount of people who do want to throw money at him and he is saying no to? Uh, yeah, there must be a, a long queue of people wanting to throw I, money I, at I tru- him. I believe so. You know, I, I believe. Probably, because that's like, you know, the, the, there is that this thing. Uh, <laughs> investors who are, yeah, uh, seem to be like, you know, less and less rational all the time. Well, it's less and less, as he gets more mon- monopolative, more, dom- you know, which goes back to the, his interview um, and David pointed out as, you know, and I thought some of David's points have been things that I've been thinking a lot over the past year and we've been discussing on this podcast to some extent is their dominance and um, fundamentally the Shopify um, example that he placed in front of Matt was a great example and we really um, 
we these companies need to be broken up basically i've been saying it consistently and they need to be broken up um before it gets too late because they're giving capitalism a bad rap basically uh what do you reckon kim uber uber domination and somebody that uses their blessed services uh, you must be for their dominance of urban movement i'm with sally i don't want to get in a car in urban cities um however i have used these type i i have used uber i have used lyft um because in like, for example, where I live, there's certain places to go, even though I'm in a small town. I don't even know if we make as many people as you have, Matt. Uh, but there's certain places like if I have to go to the university, there's no other way to get there because there's no parking. Um, I'm with Sally on the, I think this guy's better than the other. But I think that it's an opportunity for other companies to come in and find things. And, and and eke out part of that, like you were saying, Matt, hey, no, locally, we've got this, and this is what we're going to support. We're not going to let this guy dominate every single piece of the puzzle. I also just wanted to throw in on the these investor things with the companies losing money. I, I see a lot of it the same as what we saw in the pre-2000 class yeah. crash of this is like the new hot thing, you know, whether it's gig economy type stuff or the subscription type stuff. So investors just see that and they're throwing money at it. And I think we will have the same kind of crash we had when people were just throwing money at it because you said, oh, it's an online X, Y, or Z. (laughs) Well, you know, and and it isn't even just tech, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, here, we're going to put all our our money into this real estate bubble where people are offering loans to folks that have no hope of paying them back. And and why do we think this is going to be a good idea? Do you think this is something that I, I have been thinking about when we had the real estate crash it affected so many of us because so many of us own homes or whatever. And I just keep going back to like that, that, that saying of if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a noise? So if a venture capitalist loses a billion dollars, do they make a noise? Because this bubble that's going to burst, I don't think affects a majority of Americans like the housing economy d- did. It just affects billionaires. <laughs> so are we going, I mean, Roughly speaking, right. So well, one we, supposes we that it that it can affect you know the the customers, uh, the pe- you know the people who use something if it if it goes bust after a big investment because of course the you know the push with the investment is to grow insanely, mm-hmm. and so instead of a company that might have done all right as a modest size boost strapped company and and been you know sufficiently profitable to go on with and make its customers happy well i think it's you, actually, you have a big bust i actually think it's darker just to bring john on and then we'll wrap it up with some recommendations but it's even wasn't it even darker that uh, john because david hansen was hinting didn't he use what what was that term he used for these companies that spying your data he, he called it surveillance the, capitalism the, yeah you survey and a, <clears throat> i thought it was a great phrase and it put a chill down my spine john literally because he is it is a it's a real clear warning of where we're going it's pure 1984 isn't it yeah it's like 1984 it's like v for vendetta it's like i show personal interest the machine knows everything about you. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, this article, I mean... And that is true. It is, I, surveil- yeah. it is a new business model, isn't it? Surveillance yeah. capitalism, isn't it? I, I think these guys think they're like the stars in the Anne Rand novel. I mean, the, the, the arrogance of, uh, you know, we're going to make Uber like essential for living in a city. When cities have been around for 10,000 years doing just fine, you know, and... I, I think something that you touched on, though, it's really distressing how it's almost like we're slowly slipping into like this techno-feudal society where we're renting out our homes, we're renting out our cars just to make ends meet. That's not the sign of a healthy society. So, you know, invest in infrastructure like the subway, you know, public transportation, the bus. Look, I grew up in a small town and I rode the bus in the 70s and the 80s. 
You know, when I moved to Sacramento, I rode the, I rode the light rail in the bus uh, when my second wife like took the car to work. So, you know, invest in infrastructure and a lot of those problems go away. So, you know, I, I don't know. So. Yeah, but at least, um, but I thought that was a great, a great phrase that I'm not, I'm not sure he formulated that, but the surveillance capitalism, it, it truly is. It was a great interview and hopefully Matt will have a think about it, the other Matt. <laughs> Matt um, let's hope so. Right, on a happier note, any rec- I haven't got a recommendation, but John, have you got one? Me unmute. Yes, I do have a recommendation. So one of the stories that got cut that you had selected was from Jason Tadlock at the Tavern, and it's the return of creativity um, with, with Gutenberg. And it reminded me of uh, somebody whose writings that uh, I've enjoyed before, a designer uh, from New York called uh, Frank Camaro. And uh, he does these like visual long piece essays. And he did this one a few years ago called Designing in the Borderlands. And it's all about um, how you can design for different um, mediums. And it's a, just a really thoughtful, creative piece. Go check it out. Uh, it just kind of gives you ideas of, of how design is not strictly limited uh, by the medium. So. Yeah, sounds great. Put it into chat. Um, Kim, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? I don't have a link per se, but yes, I've had several issues with clients recently. So I'm just going to remind everybody <laughs> that when you're getting ready to start a project, don't skip the planning. No matter what you're picking, <laughs> don't pick it because, you know, just because we love somebody. Make sure you plan the requirements of your project and then pick the tool that fits. You're talking about some of my projects. <laughs> no, I'm not. Actually, I, I'm going to laugh about that. But no, I'm actually not talking about your clients right now. Uh, um, Kim, I, Kim, I think Kim, probably all of us have experienced this at least once. Kim helps me out occasionally on some projects. And um, she's a sweetheart. She she helps me with my madness. Uh, um, oh, <laughs> Matt, Matt uh, um, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners or viewers? <laughs> Vodka. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> right, I'm you to... man, it's been a bit <laughs> do, what a doomy ending. That was true. What a side note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll just take a moment to plug my own plug-in, if that's okay. Oh, easy, yeah, su- easy support videos. I posted it in the chat. Uh, we have some new features coming to that. So if you do support clients, speaking of supporting clients, and you want to help them through some video tutorials, check that plug-in out. Uh, and we got some new features coming. Oh, I've looked at it myself. Uh, I'm Sally. Um, got anything you want to recommend? Yes, I do. My recommendation uh, for this week is Rising Star Reviews. Uh, it is a, a, a little uh, SaaS company that helps uh, owners of uh, businesses that rely on ratings to actually follow up with requesting ratings. And there's a kind of interesting thing about it is what it does is is uh, it you know sends an, uh, sends an email. Uh, to the customer and say, hey, you know, radar service, you know, gives you five stars. And if it's a good review, it then takes you, the person to the, and if it's a high rating, the person gets taken to whichever uh, rating site the business owner has, has chosen. And if it's a not good review, uh, uh, you know, you get a little box that pops up and say, hey, you know, tell us how we could, could do better. What, what, can, what can we improve with? Um, Oh, sounds fantastic. But yes, link, flat, flat, flat fee uh, uh, service, you know, designed to uh, maintain a, a fairly modest scale and uh, stay bootstrapped and profitable. And it is risingstarreviews.com. Oh, sounds good. Put the link into the chat. So, John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is Lockdown SEO, and also. Go on my YouTube channel where I publish daily uh, YouTube videos on SEO. You can search hashtag lockdown SEO. Today's video was everything that you know about bounce rate and SEO is wrong. Check it and out. And they're great videos and he does one every day. And he's catching yeah, it. It's, it's insane. <laughs> it's, it's, it's freaking insane. <laughs> 
I think he. I think he's outsourced it to some AI, and it's just his voice. <laughs> it's all me. It's all me. I'm doing every part. This is this is somebody that's done to over two hundred and thirty podcasts plus, and I, I, I still think it's insane. Uh, um, Kim, how, how can people find out more about you? What you're up to? Uh, you can find me at kimshivler.com and at Twitter at Kim Shivler. Instagram, I think I'm still just Kim Shivler. I may be Kimberly Shivler, which is my full name. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Matt, how can people find out more about you? What are you up to? MattReport.com, Pagely.com. Is it Pagely? Yeah, there you go. Uh, um, Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com or I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. Right. Uh, I had one viewer contact me and said that he said he was going to stop listening to the show because I'm a communist. I just want to point out, I, I'm a capitalist to my core, folks. I just want capitalism with a human face. Uh, I think some... Some communists said that in Czechoslovakia, actually. Um, just capitalism with a human face. But um, anybody that says I'm a communist, I think you're a little bit wrong there. Uh, uh, but bless the rest of you, listeners and viewers. We'll be back next week with a great show with great panellists. They're the intelligent ones. I just dribble. But we'll be back next week, folks. See you later. Bye. Bye. Solidarity. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.